the doghouse i'm diana and i'm david it's riverdale season six episode 17 chapter 112 american psycho in order to catch the trash bag killer once and for all betty devises a plan to hold a serial killer convention in riverdale elsewhere cheryl receives some news about tony and fangs that sends her spiraling while archie and tabitha try to loosen the grip percival has over his workers i don't i don't think i've been more annoyed it's not the right word but like dejected yeah, yeah, that's probably a better word for how I felt after this episode. It was so bad. <laughs> with with no no fun. There was nothing fun about doing a musical episode here. This was a boring fucking episode. It was so boring. And in the past few days, I've had a number of people tweet about, wait, what the fuck is happening on Riverdale? And when you start explaining plot points to people, it is wild. I mean, it is an experience. I mean, how how do you even? <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's convoluted. And to have it be this convoluted, but for it to pay off in the most boring way possible is sad. There, There is no payoff. There really isn't. <sighs> there, there is, if this was like a mid-season episode. Eh. I, I, I have some retrospect feelings about that, but overall, it's just not good. It It is not good. It's really bad, and it then makes me go, so wh- what? What are we doing? Why are we even doing this show anymore if you're not even going to try? Like, even like at this point, the wild, absurd theories are more entertaining than what they're actually doing. No, they're they're not even going for lowest common denominator. They are building up plot lines and then just abandoning them at the last minute. I mean, they've always done that, but now it's like they're they're spent so much time and it's like you're not even going to use this to pay off anything else. This is annoying. Yeah. So we start the episode at the Cooper house. They're chatting about the planning. Charles is there. He looks much healthier. Drake is also there. Seemingly annoyed that Archie is, in fact, going to the convention. I, I, we knew this was coming. Sure. Um, it's called SlaughterCon. It's going really well. Charles goes on to say that if TBK is the centerpiece of the convention, then he won't be able to stay away. But you don't kill where you eat. I love that they call Betty the Clarice to TBK's Hannibal Lecter, which I was like, no, that's wrong. Charles is Hannibal Lecter in this equation. More so, yeah. <laughs> Some of the uh, events that are happening are Dr. Curdle will be performing a simulated autopsy. Agent Drake will be giving a symposium on hybristophilia. They'll be hosting panels for the Black Hood and the Stark Weathers. A Griffin and Gargoyles tournament, and of course, the main event, a one-on-one sit-down with the girl in the well, TBK's most famous survivor. (laughs) And uh, someone asks, you know, what about live entertainment? Have you booked an act yet? To which Veronica's like, yes, Kevin will be presenting a few musical numbers from the holy grail of serial killers, to which Charles has the perfect response. Sweeney Todd? No. 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 Not Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's too good for this. No, Kevin Keller loves a failed musical. Yes, almost as much as the person who writes them. American Psycho, based on the Brett Eston Ellis, which if you're new here, we had a character named Brett Weston Wallace. 
songs by Duncan Sheik. Uh, it's going to be very 80s club glam fab. But but we're, we don't talk about who the writer of the book of that musical was. Yeah, it's R.A.S. Yeah. 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 Whatever. We go over to the curiosity shop. Frank is there being kind of, I don't, I, he's, he's kind of just the person who gets yelled at now. <laughs> Bailey's Comet is coming around and that will bring, you know, some extra celestial power. And uh, Frank does ask, you know, can't you just mind control the workers to come back? And Percival's like, of course I can. So I like that Frank officially knows that that's what's happening. Like, that's how this is working. <laughs> not good. It's not good. No, it's not. Uh, the Bailey's Comet, of course, is another, you know, crossover with Rivervale. We go over to Archie's house. They're having a conversation with all of the workers. They've officially been approved for their union strike. Tabitha is just saying, hey, until, you know, the funds that are being pulled for y'all come through, all the workers and your families can eat at Pops for free, which is very sweet. We go to the kitchen and Archie's just thanking Tabitha. You know, this is going to make a difference. Archie asks, how's Jug doing? And she says, you know, he's still in the bunker, still trying to quiet the voices. We flash to Jughead in the bunker and he's freaking out still. Um, This is the only time we see Jug the entire episode because it's a musical episode. (laughs) Will Sprouse does not participate. Also, I genuinely believe that he is working on another project because as of the recording of this, they have just now wrapped on the season, except for Lily. Lily was still on set. So Cole Sprouse has been posting a bunch of pictures and he's wearing a wig and it really does look like he's been away. Like he's been off doing something else. I mean, that's fair. Totally fair. Camilla just dyed her hair back to brown instead of black. Very school's out for summer. (laughs) Archie asks Tabitha if he's drinking again. And she says, no, definitely not. Well, that's good. Then he'll be okay. And she has worried face. Yeah. And the way they frame this. Mm With him being the comic book writer, I think IRL, Jughead is sick. The whole, he's going to beat this. Something in real Jughead's world is that he is sick and he's got to beat it. Maybe, maybe, because that's happening, you know, in his head. Yeah. What if that bomb really did hurt them? It could have. And Jughead is the one that's under and all of this is in his brain. Oh, that totally would have made sense, too. Because that's a better working theory for the bullshit we're working on. It really is. Like, if we're if we're going to explain this season. Is there a way to explain this season? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out, aren't we? We go over to Thornhill, and Tony is there to tell Cheryl that she's getting married. And Cheryl freaks the fuck out. <laughs> I appreciate that Tony knew this would affect Cheryl and she told her that speaks more to the character of Tony. Oh, yeah. Um, But Tony meets Heather and was like, oh, is this the Heather you told me about from back in the day? Your first. Yeah, indeed. Heather and I recently reconnected. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's good. Tony tells him about a bachelorette party they're going to have at the Babylonium. Why don't you both come? I I know that we have been long suffering with Cheryl, but this back half of this season has been very fun with Cheryl. And again, she's going to pull some really stupid Cheryl shit, but they make it better in this episode than they have in a long time. Yeah. But 
her face when Tony tells her. And just that, I'm sorry, I'm having a meltdown inside. Yep. <laughs> no, thank you. And then just being like, I don't want to talk about Heather. I do not want to. No, thank you at all. Later at Thornhill, Heather approaches her and Cheryl just pushes her away. This is very like standard. Cheryl doesn't want to be told how she's feeling. Stop building a false narrative. I'm fine. But in the most Cheryl way, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) You're not. Bitch, no. (laughs) We go to the casino. We open the convention doors. There is lots of cosplay. Betty just kind of looks at all that's going around her and just says, God, I hope this was a good idea. Then smiles and nods like, yes, I am a serial killer person. Veronica opens the convention. It's Riverdale's very own Kevin Keller as investment banker by day, serial killer by night, Mr. Patrick Bateman. And then Kevin sings. And this is so fucking awkward. All of these songs are bad. They're not good. So uh, it took a little bit to figure out that the musical was a hybrid jukebox musical and this. And they used some of the most famous songs from the film version. Sure. Which... I think are in the book too. I mean, Huey Lewis plays a big part in the sure. book itself, but just like again, the movie did a better job of explaining the novel than the novel did, because Brett Easton Ellis is a misogynist asshole. Facts. So how were you ever gonna make this work? <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's a. Pr- I'm fine with it. You know, the '80s are very cool right now, um, and all of our pop culture stuff, but the staging is weird and i'm sorry casey caught you cannot sing this you just can't you sound horrible and he looks so beyond uncomfortable it is painful to watch he has looked for a long time now like he's just completely checked out and i don't blame him for that No, they've ruined his character but and i don't necessarily know if he is he may be thinking well i'm giving this performance I think the problem is that whatever performance he's doing that he thinks he's giving, it does not translate on screen and it feels completely unmotivated. So while this is happening, Betty, you know, is walking through the crowd. She sees a black hood, someone dressed as black hood. So she goes to follow. She makes eyes with Archie. Archie follows as well. And her and Drake take, you know, get the guy take him into the office and the they pull off the mask and you know that he's just a super fan uh he's got the knife that her dad used and he's like i wanted your autograph um i bought it on eastlay he's <laughs> like why'd you bring here I, you know I, you're a hero betty and she's like a hero you're practically one of them which freaks her out and archie being the best boyfriend, just goes, okay, we're done. You're done. <laughs> Riverdale. Yep. Oh, boy. So we go over to Pops, and Percival's there to see all his workers who are enjoying their free meals. Fangs gets up and is just like, this is never going to work. And he just goes, Mr. Fogarty, you will walk out that door, but you will return to work. And... We get that echoey sound, though so he know he's trying to mind control, and Fangs does it. 
and he says you'll return to work again and then they all get up and go so i do see daniel our friend daniel garcia is in this crowd good to know and it seems like the comet is like magnifying percival's powers if you will but when he turns around after the workers exit pops he has a nosebleed a la 11 from stranger things well of course but this is interesting this is a wrinkle it is a wrinkle but especially because if it magnifies his powers that means the other's powers could be magnified as well well magnified or is it a sign that he is getting weaker to some extent because he's not able to draw on a certain amount of power well it's that maybe that he's getting weaker because he has to use the comics surge to get him to a point where he can control all these people and yet there's still a physical cost to him yeah I mean, Bailey's isn't there yet, so that's that's the other thing that I was thinking about. But either way, it's it's not a good sign for him. Yeah. Uh, we're back at the casino. Drake is giving her talk. Basically, hysterophilia is a sexual attraction to serial killers. And Archie's listening to this, and it's very like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's creepy as hell. He gets a phone call. It's Tabitha. Tabitha says, hey, they all left. They're back at work. Uh, We cut over to Kevin's room and Cheryl, Red Riding Hood, is there. (laughs) And he opens the door like, why am I not surprised? Have you heard the good news about Tony and Fangs? Yes, my lawyer just gave you the super fun update. In that case, would you like to join me in cursing their unholy union? It's Cheryl being Cheryl. Very classic Cheryl, Kevin, mess around, I'm into it. We go back to Pops and we have a very cheesy scene where they, uh, it's Tony Archie and Tabitha talking about the guys leaving. I guess their tether wasn't enough. Um, but, you know, we just got to remind them of what they're working so hard for. Um, you know, we got to, uh, uh, I have an idea of how to do that. Songs have always been a big part of the labor movement. So we've contacted everyone from Percival's crew. And we just need your guitar, Archie. <laughs> it's odd, G shucks. It's, <sighs> labor songs are great they are they they're amazing be, yeah fuck this shit <laughs> oh yeah absolutely we go over to thornhill and kevin and cheryl are gonna do a wedge spell to drive a wedge between tony and fangs kevin's like what's the wedge gonna be and she was like i'm gonna leave that to the universe to decide <laughs> so <laughs> yeah may this drive a wedge between them for all eternity Ah, uh, cheryl yeah, we go to the work site. They all sing Kumbaya. They don't sing Kumbaya. <laughs> I know the song. I found out the song. What's the song? The song is Bread and Roses. It was most famously performed by Judy Collins, who's, who's a very famous folk singer. I don't know if she wrote it. I don't want to go to that claim, but it is a, a pretty well-known labor song. So Okay, very cool. So yeah, they sing that and Fangs is the first one to break and then he, you know, goes and stands by Tony and Anthony and then the other workers go and stand by their family and friends. So Frank is not happy. They're all fired. They're all fired. We go back to the casino and now it's after the day and TBK has not shown up and Agent Drake tells Betty that she's attracted to her. Betty's like, oh, that's very flattering, but I'm with Archie. Drake's like, is that exclusive? Yeah. 
okay, but you know, y'all are like really different and we have so much in common, which is a really shitty move. Yeah. It's like, like, first of all, to be like, oh, well, are y'all exclusive is a shitty thing to ask because it assumes a lot. (laughs) That one I have less of a problem with, though she's being incredibly assertive here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But then to be like, why are y'all together? I don't get it. Like, I'm a better match for you, essentially, is what she's saying. And that's fucked up. I would be okay with it if there was a moment and then she was like, okay, but you got to explain to me how... How did you two being so different work? Mm-hmm. That if we framed it that way and not that you and me are better, it wouldn't feel as gross. Yeah. That's the part that makes it icky. But if it, if it was more, okay, but you got you to gotta help me understand. Archie? <laughs> well, and then she says, maybe I've misreading things, but I swear I've been picking up vibes from you. She's like, vibes from me? And she's like, tell me I'm wrong about that, Betty. Which is also very manipulative. It is. It is 100% gaslighting, Betty. This scene could be a lot shorter and you could take away some of those lines and it would be fine to me. And then be like, I'm so sorry. I was totally picking up vibes from you. I don't know. And then just leave it at that and have it get in Betty's head more than it was in Drake's head. Oh, what what is it? Apparently she's been picking up vibes from me, but like, what could that be? It's, oh, we just have so much in common. Like, yeah, it could have just become her issue that she needs to evaluate how she handles herself with drake but no well and that's how the whole thing was framed and then they didn't do it well then we cut to betty waking up in the morning and it's drake bringing her coffee and then she actually wakes up because that part's a dream and she and then she has breakfast with archie i think that didn't actually happen i think the whole drake expressing attraction to her was all in her dream Ah, that's interesting. Well, it's a little inconsistent where we get here, and I feel like it's in the same vein that Moose is. Like, (sighs) I don't know that Moose was actually there with Kevin. Now he is. Well, now actually we don't know for sure that he is. No, we don't know that he is, but we other people have seen and spoken with Drake, so we have a bit of a different conundrum with that character. Sure, but it could be the same thing. Yeah, it... Again, where I have a problem is you did such a weird job of creating this character and made it so aggressive that it just makes it weird and icky instead of making it a, why do you think that is? And probing. Because the the moose... But moose did the same thing to Kevin and probing him. Why are you fighting so hard for this? Why are you alienating your friends? That's fair. So it was the same type of thing. So that's what makes me believe that, like, we've talked about the possibility of them being like their guardian angels, but that's not what they are. It's something weird. It's not weird, but it's something different. I don't don't quite have that figured out, but thumbs up. Betty's talking to Archie, and she's just like, Archie, you don't have to come. There's tons of security. And he's like, well, it wouldn't be bad for me to check on the crew. The condos kind of freaked me out. Because, <laughs> of course, that's where TBK got him. We go to the Tang's apartment and Cheryl's there with muffins. Another call to Rivervale with poison muffins. And Fangs and Tony are just so exhausted. The baby's been up all night with colic and now they've got a fever out of nowhere. Cheryl's freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. When, uh, when did you notice that? Um, Yesterday afternoon, it's just out of the blue. I think we're going to have to cancel the bachelorette party. My favorite part of this whole scene is Fangs being left just hanging with a basket of muffins. Like, what the fuck am what I do supposed I do to with do this? with these? I don't want fucking muffins. <laughs> I want my baby to sleep. Uh, we go to Thornhill. Kevin is furious at Cheryl. That wasn't supposed to happen. Of course not, Kevin. But we didn't specify what the wedge should be. This is our fault. Oh, my God. I'm never going to forgive myself if we hurt that baby. Is there anyone we can call an expert? And they are blowing out the candles from their spell. And Cheryl has an idea. Of course. Uh, we're in Veronica's office and Betty tells Veronica about Drake. And then she's like, oh, Betty Cooper, do you are you hot for Drake? And Betty's just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> and the, she talked about compartmentalizing their feelings. And Veronica's like, that's totally normal. <laughs> Which as people, yes, but the degree at which they compartmentalize is not good. It's normal for Riverdale. Sure. Veronica does give some good advice. She says, don't A, don't go there with Drake. And B, talk to Archie. Many of my relationships have ended sadly because we didn't have the convos we needed to have or we have them too late, which is true. <laughs> very, very true. I like that Betty's like, no, I'm not attracted to Drake. Although there's this other part of her that's like, but I might be attracted to ladies. Interesting. No, that's not it. It's just like, I'm not not attracted, but I don't know what that means. No. Lily Reinhardt's very funny. She is. After this, Veronica goes and tells Drake to stop. <sighs> uh, don't mess with her. And as she walks away, uh, she's smirking a lot. And Drake, and part that's this is part of the reason why I feel like that conversation didn't happen. Because Drake looks confused. She doesn't look confused to me. She looks caught. I don't I don't think so. But it's not as clear as, oh no, Betty's never gonna talk to me again. <laughs> but Veronica's just like <laughs> I did my good deed for the day. I'm the best friend that ever happened. I love when she does this now. Cammy is finally like giving us all the reactions we ever wanted. She's for being a cartoon character, which is fun. Uh, we go back to the Tang's apartment, and Heather's there now, and she's a registered midwife and night nurse, so she knows a little something about crying babies. Um, she's got a calming tonic. We, we are the echoes of the whole perfume thing from Rivervale. And, uh, you know, oh, it's just, uh, you know, a calming perfume with a spoonful of sugar, oldest trick in the book. And then we have Betty back at the casino being interviewed by her mom, because Alice is the only reporter anchorwoman in this universe i hate that they keep going back and forth with alice is bad but also she's her mom but it's okay and you're just like stop it no make a, make a choice um but uh asking her about tbk betty reveals that she dismembered the body and then tbk calls and tells betty she needs to take off her mask her human mask um because this isn't who you are and uh yeah and they can't trace the call yep it disconnects um we go back to thornhill and Heather is a little annoyed at Cheryl. She's like, you know, the most important lesson I can impart to you as a witch is to never cast a spell when you're in an emotionally volatile state. It always backfires. And uh, you want to talk about why you're so churned up? Is it Tony's wedding? And like Cheryl finally like admits, like, look, um, I always thought we'd get back together. So it hurts. And, you know, clearly I'm attracted to you, but I don't want to get hurt again. And Heather's like, you know, I get it, but if we're getting a second chance, let's have fun and 
fun and see what happens. So they're like, okay, let's go to Tony's bachelorette party. I like this. I like the way they spun this a lot. Let me go to the hotel room and the casino floor and the girls sing You Are What You Wear. And it is so bad. They their singing is awful. This is staged poorly. And they could have had the most fucking fun. The only moment where you can tell they're enjoying even the slightest bit of it is when they are walking down the hallway. They stop, they change, put their purses on the other arm, and then they keep going because it's cute and fun. That's going to be mimicked on TikTok nonstop <laughs> because it is cute with the three girls in front. I like it, but it's so badly done. They needed to make this go much faster tempo wise for the song to work and for all the girls to be singing it. Well, part of my problem here is all of these songs are bad. All of these songs are terrible. So there's no way to save them. I mean, they're the lyrics to this are literally just brand names. That is the entire fucking song. But because that's the type of song it is, they could have had a lot of fun with it and they had no fun with it. Like this is the one. I mean, the song Lily Sings Later is is good. There's one good song here. But this song was one they could have had. Like this has girls just want to have fun written all over it. And you did nothing. You didn't even try. This should have been a putting on clothes, getting ready montage that bleeds into them dancing on the casino floor because that was all cute and fun. Also, I do love that Katie Keene sent them the chic dresses for the evening. From Lacey's. Because we have to shove that show back in here. It failed. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck. RAS squeezing two two of his failed projects into Riverdale this episode. I'm just waiting for the the Pretty Little Liars bullshit to show up, too. (laughs) Uh, Kevin starts singing his song and the girls are dancing and they're having fun. But then there's a moment where Betty's seeing some TBKs. Well, then then she sees one of them behind Kevin, puts a bag over his head. Betty rushes on stage to try to help. But then realize that that's not what was there. It's Dr. Curdle with the mask on and Kevin's like, you're ruining this. This is part of my act. And Betty looks out one of the casino doors and she sees another TBK, the real TBK. He was there. We don't know. Uh, he was there. We don't know. We know nothing. And we I do. genuinely don't care. Cheryl and Heather go back home to Thornhill. Um, ha- Cheryl takes her upstairs and shows her um, this really creepy picture that she painted of the two of them when they were younger. And then they kiss. I this was sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm glad they're together. I'm happy for them. I don't get fuck. <laughs> Betty and Archie are talking. She's going to be bait. He needs to stay away because otherwise he's going to be he he will scare TBK essentially. And she's just like, but, you know, this is who I am. Because Archie's like this is crazy and dangerous. Um, she's like, this is what I do. And you have to be OK with it. You know, with all that's been going on, Tony getting married, our pregnancy scare. I don't really know if I want those things. So is that a deal breaker? Because I know it was for you and Veronica. And Archie's kind of like, yeah, no, I do know I want those things, but um, we'll talk later. <laughs> when, when you're not being hunted by a serial killer. Sure. Also, Kevin is bailing on the final performance because uh, Betty messed up his vision. And he ruined his vision. Which, what a bitchy queen. I love it. I, mean, I love those moments for sure. <laughs> We're at the casino with Veronica. Drake comes to find Betty. 
and they go to the office and the dude who has the dude's there he has the black hoods gun and so Betty takes this gun and she's like what do you realize how many people my father killed with this gun and he's like so you're not you're not I wanted it to complete my collection you're not you're no just no <laughs> I'm, I'm taking this I'm I'm confiscating it you're lucky we aren't arresting you for not having a permit and then she looks at it knowingly knowingly oh my god <laughs> can you sign it no you psycho oh before that veronica was telling betty by my count i've killed more people than you oh my god that that conversation i mean it's just like a normal thing and betty's like i don't know it just it might be too dark for archie and <laughs> veronica doesn't just tell her that she's killed more people veronica starts to go back through all, all the, the people, people that she's, she's killed. killed and the, here's the difference veronica doesn't really feel bad about the people she's killed no. she never really does she feels bad about getting caught or that it's complicated something. Betty does. Yes. Like she actively does feel guilt about what she has had to do. Yes. I just love Betty finally. It's like, okay, okay. Fine. I get the point. <laughs> so it's later post show at the casino. PBK didn't show. And Drake looks at Betty and is just like, you know, when you were singing that song, at which point I'm like, you're not going to show us her singing her fucking song what the fuck is wrong with you people i was pissed i was getting really mad but drake asks betty were you singing that song about tbk or archie and she leaves and so then we cut to betty singing this song i like that betty goes have a good night drake have a good night drake she's just not she's not gonna go there with drake nope which is important um then we see betty singing and she has never sounded better lily sounds amazing here they like she really does do this song a service and making it sound good. We flash back to Betty going home. Archie isn't there. She's in her bedroom. She sees TBK in her room across the way in the window. She grabs the gun, the Black Hood gun, and goes over there. She finds an FBI agent dead. She goes straight up to her room, doesn't find anybody, comes back downstairs. Mom and Charles have bags over their heads. She, you know, un, un you know, suffocates them. And Alice is like, he says he's waiting for you in the garage. Betty's like, okay. She's like, no, don't go, Betty, don't go. And so Betty goes because she's Betty. And TBK has prepared dinner. Because this all ends in a kiss at night. Yep. And she's like, get on the floor, take off your mask. And all while holding a gun at him. And then later, and he just keeps talking. And then he says, you know, you're just like me. And she shoots him. And she's like, I'm nothing like you. So, yeah. And we don't reveal who tbk is we see, well okay i feel like this was a this isn't when we should have seen this happen the the ending of this episode should have been something to the effect of you know she shoots tbk and everyone you know rush her backup or whatever rushes in is like don't you want to like unmask him she doesn't matter doesn't matter who he is because then it's plausible that it's the same guy as before that we saw that kidnapped Archie and all that shit. Now, and I think at the end of the day, that's the intent of this episode. But <laughs> they spent so much goddamn time. And it didn't even make it cool. They didn't even make it cool. They took a cool killer, a cool problem that Betty has to deal with, and made it boring as hell. Fizzled out to fuck. <sighs> we go to Percival's shop. There, he's talking with Frank. It's like your nephew and Miss Tate are proving to be more formidable adversaries. And now that the workers have established tethers, it'll be difficult to reassert control over their minds. He's not happy. He is not pleased. 
And Frank's like, you know, you want me to call some people? We can do some old school union busting like they did back in the day. No, Frank, I want to go even more old school than that. If the citizens of Riverdale wish to stand united against me, then the price they pay for their defiance shall be truly biblical. (laughs) Again, this would have been a better line to end the episode on. Yes, it would. Because we know the next episode is called Biblical. Cool. Uh, I do love the reference to Matewan in Harlan County. Mm-hmm. Very legendary labor battles. Sure. And then finally, we have Betty talking to Archie. And ultimately, it's just, I love you. I love you. And this is a good scene because essentially Archie's just like, you're not a bad person. And Betty like kind of accepts the fact that, no, I'm not. And Archie is the light in my life. Like he is her tether to to goodness, which we've already established when they first started hooking up in the beginning of season five. Like they're just good for each other. Yeah. The the best moment out of this whole scene is when Archie goes back to a memory of him and Betty nurturing a baby bird. Yeah. And it was like, first of all, it's always cute to get Lil Arch and Lil Lil Betty. Like we've got a lot of Lil Betty, but we don't get a lot of Lil Arch too. Very cute. But he gets to flash back to that, and we get an, oh, okay, yes, this is very nice. Like, you knew what to do. And so, that's, this is sweet. I love you, I love you too. Riverdale. <laughs> it's a terrible episode. It's a terrible episode. Like, I don't even, like, next week is, or next episode is the last episode. Great. I don't give a fuck. <sighs> They just they they had this whole plot line that they threaded along, and there's a line here that suggests um that when Charles and Alice are talking with Betty at one point, they go, you know, do you think it's over? And Betty goes, God, I hope so. I think TBK is probably coming back. I I I don't think this saga is over just yet. No, but because if he is, then who's the big bad for next year? No, I I think that's the the question here of of where that's coming down. But more importantly, is that this is the first time we've always had lots of questions of like, are they just making it up as they go along? And this is the first time I've looked at it where I really see that glaringly up in front. Like, it feels like you wrote this 12 episodes in and then went, we got to figure out how to tie it together somehow. But they didn't even do that. No, they did nothing. No, they wrapped up the stories as quickly as they possibly could without thinking about any of the lead up they'd given to it. I mean, there's a fair argument for they didn't know if they were getting another season. Maybe. But you clearly didn't have a plan when you started down this path. And it's lazy writing to be like, well, I can't tell a good story unless I know how many episodes I have to do it. It's like, no, if your story needs 10 do 10. If your story needs 12, do 12. If your story needs 18, do 18, but make it fucking work. None of these stories have ever needed 18. <laughs> no, but I mean, still, if but yeah, like you do you do the story in the amount of episodes it actually needs. <sighs> and then you tell that story and then you're like, "Oh, we have another season." Okay, great. I'm going to continue a different part of the story. The last time we were this down on this show, it was the end of season 3. And we were that down because they were jumping the shark with rocket fueled hyper speed abandon. It was bizarre, but it was fun. 
Like we were we were having fun with that bullshit. It was bullshit. But we were like, it I'm was sorry. Entertaining bullshit. We were, we we were we were arguing about organ harvesting. Yeah. Those were the days. Now we're arguing about fucking singing a Judy Collins song to break a magical spell. And a serial killer who we've built up as this big villain that we don't reveal. I I just don't care. It's bad. I just want to see, okay, how are you ending this? And what hope do we have for season seven? (laughs) Which is probably not going to come out until January. But oh, dear God. Dear God. (laughs) Well, guess what? There's already a preview for biblical. Great. Let's go watch it. fighting for the future i see la yorona la yorona i'm cool with that it's just jughead jughead's back jughead's interacting with the rivervale things yes that's that's what the trailer is suggesting for sure or bnv forever i do like that that's fun bnv have had some more friendship reintegration and i kind of like it only like in the last five episodes i know but that does speak to season seven being like a the core four finally really coming back together turn to form which i'm fair that that's fair to do in your final season i just don't care i know i don't care here's the scary part is that they have done this before they have absolutely failed us in the in the penultimate episode sometimes they're really good at pulling out of their ass for the last episode I don't know how they do it this time. I don't know. Because it's not like they set anything up. They just flopped on their face with the sort of finale. I know. I know. (laughs) Until next time. Hashtag Bulldogs Bulldogs forever. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.